are again moving into the fall, the holiday season, and for all of us, moving back into a place of pause. While our country is, is experiencing an increase with the pandemic, our hearts and mind goes to those people who have lost their loved ones, and for the rest of us who may feel that we've lost our way of life, lost our way of being. This time of pause can be something that's even more rich and formidable for us. So I'm going to welcome you to Women Express podcast. And because of everything that has been happening in the last few months, over the last few years, there's been the saying all along this path to now. And that saying is, it's our time. It's our time. Our time to create, our time to step forward, our time to lead. And I promised you in the last session that we did together, the last podcast, that no matter what happened in the arena of the election, our time was going to become something even more powerful moving forward. And in that power, I created, or in this time, I created what I'm calling the Power Up Series. It started with bringing in women who can speak to much higher levels of leadership than you may have thought of before. Last month, I brought in Jenny Abramson, who is a venture capitalist and is the founder and managing partner of Rethink Impact, the largest U.S.-based impact venture capitalist firm with a gender lens. Her job is finding female leaders using technology to solve the world's biggest problems and to fund them. Well, I want you to think even bigger about the things that you need funding for the businesses that you may be sitting there percolating on in this pause. This Power Up series is all about inspiring you to take the next steps. And today's podcast is not going to be any different. And I'm going to bring in my next guest. Welcome to Women Express. Thank you. I'm your host, Denise Harrington. And today I have with me Jocelyn Mangan who is the CEO and founder of Him For Her, an organization focused on accelerating diversity on for-profit boards. And this is a conversation, an interview, based on a new idea that I brought in, and that's called the Power Up Series. I just felt like we hear time and time again that it's our time, it's our time, it's our time, it's our time. Well, what does that mean? And especially going through the things that we've gone through this year, it's our time is taking a different spin. It has a different meaning in my eyesight. It means that it's our time to step up even bigger than what we have been thinking for and executing for ourselves. So it's a time to elevate our conversations and to think bigger, to do bigger and involve ourselves in a much bigger way. And that's why I have you with me today, Jocelyn. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. 
You have a great organization. I have to admit, I was turned on to you by someone who felt like I should be in a board. And it was interesting. I went through the interview and everything, and I was excited because I get excitable. And then at the end, I said to myself, what do I bring to a board? I mean, I don't think I bring anything to a board, you know, a a for-profit board. I don't know if I belong in that seat. And I spoke with a one of my clients who is a C-suite client. And she said to me, are you kidding, Denise? You bring so much to the table. You have worked with C-suite executives for over 20 years. You bring way more to the table than you think. And that's what made me reach out to you, Jocelyn, and ask you to come and speak with me. Because I feel there's a lot of us that may be listening that are not thinking big enough. We want the seat at the table. But what if we took an even bigger seat at the table that had an even bigger impact from top down? Wow, wouldn't that be incredible? What do you think? I mean, do you see that happening for many women who are thinking about themselves as being a board director? Yes, I spend more time talking to qualified women, explaining to them that they are ready versus the other way around. The biggest challenge is not, you know, are women ready? It's are they visible for those opportunities? But you're exactly right. Part of making yourself visible starts with understanding your own aspirations to do board work and then trying to verbalize what it is you bring to a board so that when those opportunities do come about, you've got that language and that story. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's interesting for me because once I got past that, what do I bring to the table and realizing how small I had made my own vision in life, I started to feel like, well, being on a board is is certainly a necessary part of the puzzle for what I'm doing, for the work that I'm doing in the world and how I want to influence the influential. And so I think it's a much bigger conversation, as I said earlier, than we would maybe think. So... Help me understand why being on a board is essential for women, because your focus is getting more diversity on boards, more women on boards. So tell me, why is that important? And there are numbers to that, because you and I have talked about it. Yeah, there are definitely, there are countless numbers. So there's countless studies that show it's better for business, true, just pure economic results, which is not surprising because when you have different ways of thinking, making major strategic decisions, you always benefit from a diversity of thought. Better decisions, therefore, trickle down into the business and into the economics. But there's that's the economic impact. There's also social impact. There are studies that show that products are safer when there's women on the board. So recalls happen faster, for example. There are better decisions for the environment when women are on the board. Mm -hmm. There are better conversations, not surprisingly, around diversity and equity inclusion as it relates to the larger organization, right? And the employees. So there's several, several benefits to why diversity is good on a board. But I think it really is one of those things. If you just stop and think about the last conversation you had with a bunch of people who were like you, you all sat there and stared at each other and agreed with one another. That's a real different conversation than if you're put at the table with people who come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different stories, different experiences, talking about a single topic. And the conversation is so much richer. You explore so many more important avenues. 
And therefore, you have a better discussion, better outcome, better decision. So do you think that boards are, you know, that the paradigm of the boardroom is changing? Do you sense that that's happening? Because my understanding is that there are not that many women board directors as of now. There's not. So, you know, there's there's kind of two groups to think about here. There's the public companies and the private companies. And I think what's really important to remember is the, the public companies are the minority, right? The vast majority of the companies in the United States are private. And so the numbers in the public company space are one in five directors is a woman. And that number is going up steadily. And in the private company space, him for her did a study last year of the most highly funded venture backed companies. And we found that 60%, percent of those boards were all male. So there's a lot more work to do. And even, you know, a lot of people say that's the investors, which is true, but we even broke it down by seat and found that only one in five of the independents was a woman. So even when given that, that freedom to do the independent, still a lack of gender diversity. But I think there's also a pace question, you know, board roles, are longer than your average C-suite role. You know, you can kind of step into a new C-suite role and spend two years, three years. Boards typically don't have term limits and people will can serve on boards for 15, 16 years. And so there, you talk about the frequency. I think there are a lot of seats available for women. I think there is a lot of uh, paradigm shift taking place in this moment. I think the multitude of crises that we've all lived through in the last nine months has really brought to light the inequity in the boardroom and how important that room is for the company, for the employees, and for the communities that those companies are serving. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of opportunity. It's not a space that moves fast. I call it systemic innovation. (laughs) Um, We got to stick with this for a little bit to see it really change. And I think we need to pay attention to the private company space, which is harder to do because the information isn't public, right? It's easier to track the public company progress because the companies and the data are public. But when you move into the private company space, there's a big opportunity in front of us. You know, it's funny that you said systemic innovation because I had just written it down. In our pre-conversation, you talked a lot about systemic innovation. What do you mean by that? And how do we link it back to these private companies actually getting more women? That 60% number is not a great one. No, it's not. So the vast majority of seats are found through personal networks. And that in and of itself isn't a bad thing. People want to pick people they know, people they trust are going to be in these rooms with these people for a long time. The challenge is just that the networks aren't diverse. Mm -hmm. So they look into their personal network, they perceive it to be a pipeline issue. It's not. It's just that that supply is invisible because those women, those women of color aren't in those personal networks. So that's the system. Mm -hmm. I think the innovation that him for her has unlocked is well, how about we just extend the networks, right? Let's just have different people in the conversation and inviting still the people who represent demands, those people who put people on boards and supply those people who want to sit on boards. But let's bring together groups of people in a, you know, trusted environment. So we do off the record, moderated conversations. We do small groups, you know, 16 to 20 people at a time. And that's how we've extended networks. And we've really not set out to change the word of mouth. We've, we've set out to broaden it. And that's what I think of when I think of systemic innovation. 
Mm, it's very interesting to see that it broadening that network. I mean, I've heard so many times companies have said, well, we can't find any African-Americans. And it's like, what do you mean you can't find us? We're standing right here. But I can understand that process better when you take a look at networks mm-hmm. and that seems to follow through into the boardroom situation as well. Are women wanted in those boardrooms? The vast majority of people we talk to, the answer is yes. Now, you could argue that the people who are coming to our organization already believe in it, and and they're really just trying to operationalize an intention that's already there. And that's really what we've found largely to be the truth. We've really not come across people who don't want it. What we have come across is people who want it and think it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. And so we think of ourselves as an organization that makes it a whole lot easier um, to operationalize that intention. What made you decide to do this? I mean, how did you decide to establish him for her? And tell us a little bit about how it works, because you're kind of hinting at some great ways of getting that network juiced and going and connecting. And tell me a little more about the the organization. Yeah, so I have, um, there's a fellowship that I'm a part of called the Henry Crown Fellowship. And I have uh, that fellowship to really credit this to. And that fellowship takes its fellows to a two-year program. Everybody signs up to do a venture. And him for her was my venture. And now, you know, it's my company. So I guess I was ideating on this about three years ago. And it came from a real sincere passion for women at work. And that's a super broad category. I actually asked myself, you know, what parts of this ecosystem do you want to focus on? And I chose the boardroom because I knew it was the most important room in business. I had the privilege of being in boardrooms since I was 28 years old. Mm -hmm. I was brought in very early to pitch an idea that actually sent me to London after I pitched it at a board meeting. I was brought into the boardroom the whole time I was at open table. And so I really saw the room, the room where it happens, as they say. And to me, it felt like if you're going to dedicate time, start at the top, right? Mm -hmm. So then what I did is, you know, I... Throughout my career, I've worked in technology for over 25 years, worked exclusively for and with men, looked at the data, said, we're really not going to make any progress if we don't partner with men because they have the vast majority of the seats. And so I interviewed 90 men just to learn more about the space. And I learned two things that shaped our unique approach, which is one, they all wanted to help. They just didn't know how. And the second was when I asked them how they found their last board member, they gave me a personal network story. So that's when I really realized, wow, that's where it's all happening and how I was able to start to uncover these inefficiencies in what I call the world's most important, messiest marketplace. (laughs) The world's messiest marketplace, (laughs) most important room. I actually underscored most important room in business. I love that concept, most important board room in business. And I also love this whole idea that if you're going to Dedicate your time, ladies listening. You might as well start at the top. I love the concept of being able to really influence top down. And I have to be really honest. Being a CEO of my own small business, I never even thought that my influence could go beyond just helping CEOs to sitting on a board, assisting in that way to a CEO. It's such a different mindset. I mean, I don't know. I could sit and talk to you forever just about the, how the mindset is different. What, how do it you is different. 
You know, it's someone described it to me the other day as altitude. And I love that analogy, mm. right? Because it's like, you know, and I'm the CEO of my company and you're the CEO of your company, but we're operating at this different altitude, right? It's the altitude of our company and we're kind of in the weeds and yeah, we rise up to the top of the altitude of our company, mm-hmm. but the board is at, is at a different altitude because they already have a CEO who's supporting a company. So you're above that, right? You're wow. there as a kind of a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you have a f- financial responsibility to the shareholders, but in the best of times, when you have the right CEO, you're guiding that CEO. That CEO is bringing strategy to you. You're assessing it, right? You're asking questions. You're not solving the problem. You're not solutioning the business because that's not your role. So it is a different way of thinking, uh, a very rewarding way of thinking. And, and I believe strongly that doing that work also makes you a better operator in your own space and in your own altitude. Mm, mm, That's very interesting. That's a great understanding around that. You sit on a board yourself. So you have firsthand. You sit sit on on two two boards. Yep. I'm on a private company board, uh, Chow Now, which helps small independent restaurants with online ordering and marketing. And then I'm also on the board of Papa John's Pizza, which is a public company. So I love restaurants. I worked in restaurants for a long time in my tech career. So it's a it's a wonderful experience to carry that passion into two different board seats, really working with two different genres of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And those both are so important to where we are in business right now, where we are in, in the world. Most of yeah. us are getting a lot of our food. In fact, I'm getting my Thanksgiving meal is a takeout meal. It's amazing. Yeah. Great, great place that's cooking it, but it's a takeout meal. It's just no, the it's world really, has changed. It's realized how important the the food and hospitality business is to our society and to our mental health. It's yeah. a big piece of the puzzle. So you there is a changing paradigm. How can you, if I'm sitting and listening to us, mm-hmm. having an, a conversation, how can the women that are listening stretch, prepare, and scale for the idea of being on a board, whether public or private? Great question. I mean, the first thing is, is really to become interested and curious, right? I mean, uh, there are people who don't know what the boardroom is because they haven't been there, right? It's kind of like Congress. Like we kind of all can picture Congress because hopefully we all vote and we've read about it. But the boardroom is a space you may or may not have been in, right? Mm-hmm. Especially at a large company. So, for example, if you're walking around one of the large tech companies, you're not going to the board meeting probably because there's you know thousands of employees. So I think the first thing to do is to become curious about what is a board member and what is a board and what do they do? And then it's really to ask yourself, is this something you want to do? Is, it, is this an aspiration? And if it is, there's no uh, time to wait, right? It, this is not yeah. something you need to wait until you're you know, in your retirement era to do. That's a myth. There is an, a need for age diversity on boards. Mm. The average board member is 62. There's a need for operational expertise diversity, right? Not everybody on a board needs to be a CFO and a CEO. So if it's something you're interested and you become curious and learn more about the space, then what you need to do is what we were talking about earlier, which is understand in your own experience, what what is it you bring to a board, right? The best way to become board ready is to get exposure to the board and be good at your job. And so now that you've done those two things, it's really about 
really distilling down in very simple terms what it is you bring to a board. And then the final piece is pretty straightforward too, which is network. The vast majority of board seats are filled through personal networks. So I always tell women to do three things. Write down all the CEOs, board members, and investors that are in your personal network. Reach out proactively and tell them that you're interested in board service. Tell them what it is you bring to a board and then ask them to keep you top of mind. Mm, I love that. So can you say one more time? There's three key things. I love the three, three key yeah, things. Yeah, three key things. Okay, so the first is, is think of all the people in your personal network who are people who can quote unquote put people on boards. Those are or influence board placement. That is CEO, board members, active board members, specifically anyone in the nominating governance committee, and then also investors, right? Who do you know at VC firms or PE firms? Because they represent multiple companies. And that might be a great avenue for finding out because the, the other part about the word of mouth network is nobody ever knows who's looking for a board seat. You know, there's no web page that lists all the board openings. Yeah. So the, even those openings are held in those word of mouth networks. So this is why you want to kind of make sure that you're in the ecosystem, you're in the network. And those people who know you best are the best people to go to Mm -hmm. because they already see you and know what you've done. There are organizations, we're one of them, where we act in a a way that we bring on board-ready women into our network and we help them with their visibility for board opportunities. But those are the three things to do. Very, very critical. I mean, because I, I just don't think it's top of mind for most women. I mean, I just having the conversation with you and and the interesting thing about having a conversation with you, even when we were doing our pre-interview, is that it just feels so comfortable. And I think Mm -hmm. for most women, I could be wrong, but I think for most women, there's a tendency to say, oh, that's the board and to feel uncomfortable about my space and moving into that space. I, I had a, a a client, this was years ago, and I think her husband passed away and she became, she took his board seat. She was freaked out that she, most of them had come in on private, in private jets, because this was a really big board. She came in on Southwest Airlines. She felt like, oh my goodness, she couldn't sleep the night before. And when she got into the boardroom, she said, I was just shaking. I couldn't even hold it together. And she remembered that someone gave her for good luck this cross pin. And she said, I just walked up to the table and I was the only woman in the room. And I just held onto my (laughs) cross pin. And she said, before I knew it, I was answering questions and providing and influencing. And as the years went on, she became one of the most important board members within that board. And so I think it is the first step, getting there, taking that step. I love the idea of taking a conscious step. I mean, for her, it was, you know, unfortunately, her husband passed away, but she became a very valuable board member. I mean, you can look at the, even the Washington Post, Catherine Graham, when her husband passed away, she became formidable as the head of the board of, of the Washington Post. So I think it's getting in there and really rising, letting yourself rise to the occasion because you have everything it takes. And if not, yeah. prepare. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. You know, there is this statistic out there that men will apply for a job when they feel 60% qualified and women wait till they feel 100% qualified. 
Well, imagine what that must be like for the boardroom, right? So I think that's the main area to focus on is, again, most women I talk to are qualified and don't think they are versus the other way around. So so don't focus too much on are you qualified? Are you not qualified? Right? You can find that out pretty quickly by asking somebody based on your experience level and based on the stage of company you want to go sit on a board at. Because that's the other thing is not everything is a big board. There are early stage companies, Series A, Series B, for example, who want independent board members today. And they don't need someone who sat on a big, giant public board, right? They just need someone that fills the gap. And what I mean by that is every board is its own ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's made up of a sitting CEO. And we all know not every CEO is the same. They don't all have the same background, the same skill set, the same personalities. And then there's the existing board. And that's always made up of different people with different experiences. Sometimes it's an all investor board in an early stage company. Mm-hmm. So the CEO is needing the voice of that operator. Sometimes it's a public company board and they have a skill set matrix. So they know all the skills of the sitting board members, but they're missing something. They're missing marketing expertise or, you know, we've heard lately people expertise, CHROs. Mm-hmm. So culture changers, people who know how to disrupt digitally traditional businesses. So there's all sorts of skill sets that are needed. And so really, it's about understanding that it is an ecosystem. Every company stage is different. Every sitting board is different. Someone said once, if you've seen one board, you've seen one board. (laughs) Right? And then understanding like your friend did, once you get there, you earned that seat. You earn that seat. It is yours. And it's a matter. I think if once you push past the fear and some of the the anxiety of, oh my goodness, I'm in rare air to realize that you're there and you're contributing to the rare air, which will make a difference for everybody in that ecosystem and beyond, certainly. Mm -hmm. Well, this is really, really cool. I have to admit, I didn't sleep well last night because I was excited about this conversation. I just... I like you a lot as a person and what you stand for and what you're really trying to accomplish. I think more women on boards time has certainly come and to have someone shepherd you in and give you a good feel for it. And I love the way you do it having, even though you're not doing face-to-face dinners, but I love the way that you're hosting people and letting people find out about each other on a personal level, which really is true. That's how you create you know, great relationships, which create boards, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yep. Yep. I mean, that that behavior probably isn't going to drastically change. So why not just extend the network? Extend the network and let women in the door. It's That's not, right. and I just know you're, you're not pushing. You're just like saying, come on, the, the, yeah. water's, the water's fine. <laughs> just yeah, there is no it. pushing in this space. I think that's what, you know, it is a very organic decision process. I mean, yes, there's structure to identifying the gaps, but because it's this trusted relationship, longer term role, you know, what happens once we introduce two people is really beyond us. We follow up to understand how impactful our work is. I love it. This has been a three-year venture so far? Yeah, I started ideating on it three years ago. Officially, we've been a company for a little over two years. Uh, wow. So, so we're early. You're early and early adopters always make a difference in any space. That's for sure. And with your tech experience, you know that that's absolutely true. Well, there's a couple of things that I figured out from our conversation today, and that is the board seats aren't limited, that women should seek them. And whether it's a public or private, I mean, public, 
versus private. A lot more of them are private, a lot more need in the private sector. But I think just getting your foot in the door, doing a little more research, but mostly letting people know that you're interested. And I would say, let's get interested. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure you wouldn't feel bad if more women were coming to you saying, if you're interested in business, I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in boards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's a bigger way to make an influence or to create influence in the world. It really is a much bigger way. And to being able to have a conversation from that level and knowing that it'll trickle down and help the whole, I mean, instead of, I mean, it's one thing to buy the stock, it's another thing to have voice behind the, the stock. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited about our conversation and I'm excited about what you're doing. Thank I you. hope that we will stay friends and stay connected because I enjoy every time that we get together. I'm a little bit of a almost, maybe I'm a little bit of a groupie. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I think I'm an equal groupie for your work and I can't wait to see you on a board. So I think this is not our last conversation. I would say it is not. And, and I want to continue to say, you know, now that things are being beginning to take another direction in our country, in our world, it's really time for women to have a much bigger voice. It's not just about a seat at the table. It's about a seat at the boardroom table. Yeah. And exactly what you said. And then once you're there, claim your voice. Claim your voice. Well, tell me, how can we get in touch with you and anything else you want to share with us? This is your time. Yeah. So Him For Her, we have a website, himforher.org. Feel free to visit it. If you are a woman out there who knows you're ready for board service, there's a spot on the website that you can enter your information so that we can do an onboard call with you. Yay. Yay. And those calls are really great. I went through the call, so it was really, really good. And Jocelyn has two young ones at home. I do. I have an an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, and she's managing being at home, being on boards, moving her organization ahead, cooking dinner for Thanksgiving. All kinds of wonderful things are happening for you. All all sorts of juggling, all sorts of juggling. I'm, I'm learning a lot of patience and trying to find the joy in the small things. It is actually very refreshing to have children that age because they don't really understand the severity of the world. They understand it enough. Yeah. but probably not as much as our as anxious adults. Anxious adults, they know how to make us get real and to calm down and stay focused. So yeah. thank you for bringing this wisdom. This is an important piece to the puzzle, certainly for my puzzle, but I know for a lot of women out there will find this to be a valuable conversation. And thank I'm happy you for you having me. With me. You're welcome. And we'll talk again soon. If you want to get in touch with me, Denise Harrington, I'm now at www.womenexpresspodcast.com. We're going to be launching a new website in January, which will also have four new things that you can focus on, a membership where you can subscribe to these conversations and conversations that we'll have outside of the podcast. We're looking to do women's leadership conferences in the beautiful foothills of Middleburg, Virginia, which is horse country right outside of Washington, D.C. And it's really beautiful. We'll be doing Women Express Summits. And there's a lot more fun and enjoyable things that I'll let you find out as we launch in January. We're looking forward to launching in January on the 12th. So that's www.womenexpresspodcast.com. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. 
and follow. Those follows really make a difference and will help get this kind of message out to more women. So thanks, Jocelyn. And come on, women. Let's express. Bye for now. We had a great time today. What I'd like to ask you to do is to rate us. Give us good ones. Review and subscribe. And if you love the time you spent with us and loved our speakers, our interviewees, then share this with your friends. That's collectively Women Express. Thank you for being with me. Bye for now.